This is Richard Simmons III from the Center for Executive Leadership in Birmingham, Alabama. Today I'd like to share with you a recent interview I had on the Good Mornings Ozarks podcast from KLFC Radio in Branson, Missouri. I'm discussing my newest book, The Reason for Life. I hope you enjoy it. There's an author we're going to meet today, Keith. Not the exerciser, jazzerciser guy. You mean I don't have to exercise nope. this morning? I am with, so not glad. With, not, not with Mr. Simmons. All right. He also has the last name of a wonderful Spared bank here in town. Scared me. Yes, Simmons okay. Bank. Mm-hmm. So I want to read you a little something. All right. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to slip out the door today yes. for an early morning appointment that right. somebody scheduled, me. You scheduled. And so I want to tell you about my good friend Richard Simmons. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. How's your morning? It's been good so far. Well, it has me too. When I read your bio yesterday, I saw you come from the great state of New York City. Ah. Well, maybe not. Huh? Maybe no. to, maybe south of there. Well, we'll find out all about that this morning, uh, Richard. And it's a pleasure to have you with us, that's for sure. So give me your facts well, here. You. Before it's a pleasure we, to be with you. Before good to have you, you run out the door. From Birmingham, Alabama, to live oh, in a relationship yeah. with God is why we're here and why we exist, says Richard Simmons. Mm-hmm. The reason for life. Simmons says the overriding question most people ask at some point in their lives is, why am I here? And I've asked myself that question. They all have. The prominent philosopher, Professor Dr. Peter Kreeft of Boston College once said, every great philosopher has philosophized about it. Every great writer has written about it, and every active person has acted on it. It is the quest for the summon bonum, the greatest good, the ultimate meaning and purpose of life, the answer to the question, why was I born? Why am I living? Our guest this morning, Richard Simmons. Richard, nice to visit with you. Meet my good friend, Keith O'Neill. Hey, Richard. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Keith. Thank you. As we excuse Charlie to go to his meeting whenever he needs to this morning, it's going to be you and I at the round table, and we're going to have a great discussion about the book, Why Am I Here, and What's My Reason for Living, and all of that. But I'd like to go back. He mentioned a town that I'm very familiar with, Birmingham, Alabama, where Vulcan stands up on the hill overlooking Birmingham. And is that where you were born and grew up, or you give me the background? Yeah, I was uh, I was born and raised here in Birmingham. Uh, I went to college up in Tennessee, a place uh, called the University of the South, uh, Sewanee. Uh, I majored in economics, and then I was a businessman for 25 years. Uh, I was in the insurance industry. Uh, I was CEO of my company the last 10 years, and then I retired uh, uh, almost 20 years ago to start a men's ministry here in Birmingham. And I've been doing that uh, along with uh, I've written uh, a number of books, and uh, uh, life has been good for me. Well, that's great. Um, I'm familiar with Bessemer just to your west there. My mom was born in Pell City, east of you. I still have okay. relatives in Morris, which is up uh, north on 65. I know where Morris is, yeah. yeah. So uh, Tuscaloosa, i got a cousin there. My uncle started a men's shelter, uh, a shelter for men in uh, Birmingham, and I wish I could remember the name of it. It's the largest in your area, and so Birmingham has some ties to to our family, Uh, and I'm sure you probably go Tide, right? 
Uh, I do, even though I did not attend, uh, I grew up pulling for Alabama, and I still do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, your book currently that's right here on the round table and answer, ask the question I'm sure that many of us have asked, Richard. Why am I here? What is my reason for being here? Kind of walk me through the covers, if you will, and how did this particular book come about? Well, a great question. Um, First and foremost, we uh, teach uh, at the the Center for Executive Leadership is the name of the organization that I work with. And one of the things that we do is that we encounter a number of businessmen uh, who who are struggling. Uh, They're trying to figure life out. And we take them through, we call it an investigative Bible study. And it's a five-week study that we, we walk through the gospel with men, but we start by asking that question, you know, why are we here? Why did God put you here? Because if we figure that out, I think that's when men recognize that their life will flourish, is when I do what I'm designed to do. And so we walk them through that, and it's been just incredibly effective in in men's lives. And so I was convinced by a number of people to take that study and have it transcribed and made into a book, which we have done. It's called The Reason for Life. And we've added a number of illustrations in there, uh, which are very helpful to, to so many people. And it's a great way to present the gospel to somebody in a very clear, uh, precise way. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great tool for parents to use with their children, particularly their teenagers. All three of my kids have read it, and they're all... Uh, 19, 20, and 22, and uh, they loved it um, because it, 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 the illustrations, I think, are very clear. And so it's really a study that was transcribed into a book. It's easy to read. It takes you about an hour, hour and a half to read, and it's, uh, it's, the intent is to present the gospel to people. You uh, mentioned men, but women as well probably ask that question, you know, why am I here? Absolutely. And and does this translate both directions on that? Oh, it does. It does. Uh, I just happened, you know, our ministry, people ask me all the time, why don't don't you minister to women? And I I, I share this, and it's not meant to be funny, but it usually I get a laugh out of it, is that that women are much healthier than men. Uh, So many of the men that we deal with, um, are they, they, they're not very transparent. Uh, they hold up their guards. They don't want to let anybody in. And so life becomes very lonely. Women aren't like that. Women are much more open. They're much more transparent. I believe they're much healthier. But this book is gender neutral. It's for men, women. Uh, I mean, as I said, even children, old people, doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really designed for everyone. If I uh, was sitting in your office and uh, ask you, uh, Richard, why do you think I'm here? What's what's my purpose? I, you know, why? Without uh, saying, handing me a book and say, go read this. Uh, right. What what are some of the things that you would talk with me about and answer, and maybe some some things out of the book, certainly. Uh, but how do you answer that question to somebody? Yeah. Well, um, I think where I start, and this is really kind of where I, I, I start, not only in the book, but with people, if I sat down, as you just described, and I would talk about the issue of purpose and the fact that purpose implies design. 
Uh, in other words, if something has purpose, someone has de- designed it in a way uh, so that it can be purposeful. For instance, you take your your iPhone. Hmm. Um, wow. An iPhone is more than just a piece of plastic. Sure. Someone designed it, and then it's been mass-produced, and it serves a purpose in your life. And so I start with the, the issue of design. Uh, therefore, when you look at it, it's one thing to look at a cell phone. It's another thing to look at a human life, and it might be a little more complicated. And so my next point is you need to look to the one who designed us and try to determine uh, what did he have in mind when he put us here? What, what, what are we designed to do? And if you look at the Scripture, uh, there are two clues, and when you put the two clues together, it answers the question. The first clue is that we are designed in the image of God. Um, we, it doesn't mean we're God. It just means that we have, we've been endowed with certain characteristics that he has. Uh, we can think reason and be creative because he thinks reasons and is creative. Um, but most significantly, we are relational beings because he is a relational God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have been in relationship throughout eternity. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus is in relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. Um, so we are relational beings. Now, the second clue, Keith, is not as, uh, as uh, apparent, but it's throughout the Scripture. And it says that 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, we exist for him. Colossians 1, 16 says that we have been made by him and for him. And then in Isaiah, it says, God talks about the people who I formed for myself. So when you take those two clues and you put them together, you realize that God made us for himself to be in relationship with him and that we are to walk through life in that relationship. It's kind of like Augustine said, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts will not find rest until they rest in thee. And so... When a person lives in relationship with God and walks with him and lets, lets God lead him and guide him through life, he, he will find his life to be very purposeful. And that is the reason that we are here. But, Richard, life comes along, as you know, and it deals us some blows, some health blows, uh, some relationship blows, some financial blows. And life is not easy. There's a, there's a country song that, you know, sings that God is good our God is great, but life isn't. And what happens to us when life comes along and deals us some of those blows that it does? How do we keep our focus? How do we, how do we keep that purpose in mind? And how do we then, in the midst of all of those issues, answer that question, why am I here? Same answer, but maybe from a different perspective or what? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and it's very true. I mean, uh, you know, all of us are fighting battles of some kind in our lives. Uh, the great thing is uh, you can either walk through life and in the storms of life alone, or you can walk with them, with him, uh, looking to him to lead and guide you through them, looking for, you know, that's the great thing about even the struggles of life is that, there's purpose in them. But if you basically are living your life without him and without his wisdom, without his counsel, then you will find the storms of life are very difficult because you basically you're, trying to, you're dealing with them by yourself. 
And that's the beauty of, of, I think, the Christian faith is that he says, I'll walk with you. I'll even walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. So um, I think that's a, that, that is something that you have to really almost confront people with is, do you want to walk through life alone? Or do you want to walk through life, including the storms of life, with him? Well, uh, he's not sitting next to me in the car, though. He's 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 not something I can see and 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 touch. And you know, I've got a a job that I just got fired from. I got a relationship that just fell apart, and I've asked him for an answer, but it's not apparent that he's given it to me. How do I maintain a relationship in that situation? Well, I think I think that obviously you have to persevere through all kind of, of struggles, and that's another thing that I would also add is that God has given us the, a, a body of believers to surround ourselves with. That's why you even have, you have the church. Um, you know, in the Center for Executive Leadership, our organization, there's there's 12 of us that work there. Uh, we have two uh, two men that are full time into counseling. And so sometimes you have to seek wise counsel when you walk through, when you, when you're going through difficult times, and that's the great thing that God designed it that way that we have each other, uh, we are mutually dependent on one another, and so you have not only your relationship with God but you've got a community of believers to support you uh, as well. In this book, you mentioned that uh, you have some um, uh, examples, uh, some takeaways. Uh, let's talk about a few of those that uh, just really have been important to you and had to make it in the book. Okay. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I do early in the book is I talk about the human pursuit of happiness and that uh, ultimately today people equate happiness with good feelings. And where do we get good feelings from? Uh, we get them from pleasure. And what I do is I try to, to point out how uh, you can take a human being and you can divide his life into two parts. You have the physical dimension and you have a spiritual dimension. And you have a physical body and you have a soul. And your body has certain desires, and that's where the pleasure comes in. Uh, we have four basic desires we get uh, of the body. We get hungry, we get thirsty, we get tired and so we sleep and rest, and then we have sexual desire. Those are the four basic desires of the body that God, basically, he gave us. I mean, they're, they're good. Um, there's a proper place for them. They, they're necessary to carry on the human race. But what we've done is we have taken those four desires of the body, uh, the sensual side of life, and we have elevated that. And it, for so many people, it becomes the reason for their existence. It becomes the source of their happiness. And what people fail to realize is that we are more than a body, that we are a soul, and we have spiritual desires and spiritual yearnings. Uh, some of those are we, we yearn for love and for joy and for peace and contentment. These are desires of the soul. And what's happened, Keith, is that so many people are seeking to satisfy the desires of the soul with the physical pleasures of life. And it doesn't work. It can't work because of the way we're designed. And I, there's a great quote in the book from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, that talks about how the, if you look back on history, the world is so messed up because people are trying to find happiness 
in everything other than God. And he says, you can't find it because it's not there. It doesn't exist. I think that uh, in, in our country, this, you know, you could say amen to exactly what you're saying. But there's some countries around the world that, you know, they're interested in just finding some food for today uh, and for some substance to keep them going. But here, where we have an abundance of everything, we tend to put what you've just said about uh, a relationship in the back corner. And we want to find the next thing that's going to make us happy. It's the next movie. It's the next... TV programs, the next car, it's the next house, it's the next uh, uh, marriage or what have you. Uh, do you find that to be true? And what has, you know, what, what is, are people saying about what you put in the covers of this book? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, that's a really good question. And I think that uh, in the book, I have a great example of what you just kind of described. Uh, I talk about uh, and describe an interview on 60 Minutes that Tom Brady had, I think it was either after his third or fourth Super Bowl win. Of course, now he has six. And and he talks about uh, after, you know, having achieved the ultimate in life, he said, it's it's really, it it doesn't satisfy me. It's it's kind of let me down. Um, And he said, the the interview says, well, you know, what do you think is going on, Tom? And he said, I wish I knew. I wish I could explain this, this kind of this sense of emptiness. Uh, and I think what you can determine from that is kind of what you were hinting at, is that, you know, we're out pursuing all these things in life. Um, and once we get what we're pursuing, and the pursuit is where the thrill is, but once we get what we think will deliver the ultimate, we find that it lets us down. It doesn't produce what we thought it would, and it can leave leave you with a real emptiness and I think at least in the work that we do we see a lot of that with very successful people who have achieved everything they ever dreamed of and it it does not provide the fulfillment and the joy and the satisfaction that they thought it would Uh, let's talk about where this book is available uh, Richard and how folks can get it and then is it uh, something that a small group a men's group could use for you say there was it's broken down into five. Um, you didn't say lessons. Well, but there are eight, there are eight chapters eight in the chapters. book. So okay. the, the, the study was five, is a, was five sessions, okay. but there's eight chapters in the book because I've added some additional material. Ah. So yeah, it's we we have a number of small groups that are going through it right now, and um, clearly you can get it at Amazon.com. It's you know the Reason for Life by Richard E. Simmons the third. Uh, or you can go to our website and get it uh, very easily. We even sell it in bulk copies. And our website is www.thecenter.org. O-R-G. We're going to put a link on our klfcradio.com website, uh, Richard, so folks can find that easier. Uh, you can buy the book uh, singly or in bulk. If you've got a men's group or something of that nature, this would be a great... You say it's about an hour and a half, two-hour read. It's uh, here on the table, and we've got one copy. If you'd like it, 334-5532. Herb will take your name and phone number to the first caller, and it uh, will be on your desk. And, Richard, you've done a great job with this. And what... Uh, how, how long has the book actually been out? 
It's been out about, uh, came out uh, early December, so it's been out uh, a little over, maybe two and a half months. And what has been some of the reaction from folks that have uh, read it and uh, have, have started this study or maybe even already completed it? Uh, what, what are you finding they're, t- they're saying? Yeah, I, I, I talked to a businessman yesterday, uh, a fairly wealthy guy, who called, and I share that because he called me and said, I want to help you get this book in the hands of more people. He says, this is a great read, and it's, it, it produces such great clarity and gives a, a real clear understanding of, of the Christian faith that he says, I think most people don't have. And that's one of the things that you'll find, find interesting, Keith. When I go through this investigative study with people, often church-going people, they'll say, I've never heard this before. I've never really understood this. And so... That's one of the. That's the real intent is to give real clarity, and to articulate very clearly the Christian message. Wow, Richard, I think the book has been given away. Is that right, Herb? The book has gone, Richard. That's got to be great. That's got to be pretty close to a record. How quick that happened. So we sure thank you for being Wonderful. with us this morning. So um, it's distributed all over and, and, and only been out for a couple of months or so, but it's getting some traction and that's good. Is there uh, a follow-up that you've got in mind? Are you coming out with the ladies' side of this or what? Uh, what's your thoughts for the future? Well, that's a great question. I, uh, my the- my, the, the, of all the books I've re- written, which is probably eight or nine books, uh, the, I have one that's been a bestseller, and it's, still, it's been selling well for 10 years. It's called The True Measure of a Man. And I, I don't have anything uh, intended for women, but most of my books are gender neutral. My next book, I think, is going to be, uh, it's going to be titled, and I've been working on this for 20 years, mm. but the title is going to be Reflections on the Existence of God, and it's going to be a series of essays uh, that really point to the evidence that, that there is a God, because we're in a, at a time in our nation where particularly young people are just abandoning a belief in God, and, and they don't have any real good reason to do that. And so that's kind of been on my heart, and that's, that's kind of going to be my next project. Well, I think that's timely, and I'd sure like to see you bring that one to fruition, because uh, I agree with you in our society, and especially young people. I've seen several reports, and you probably have too, about what happens on college campuses across the country uh, where they go there maybe with some Christian values and what have you, but the input in that uh, college campus is so anti uh, God in many cases that they come out a totally different person and that is we, we can't continue to go down that route and remain God being the foundation of this uh, country uh, absolutely and it's unfortunate the influence that so many of these college professors are having on the students uh, as they really instead of trying to educate them they seek to indoctrinate them and often it's it's uh uh, it's it's rooted in, in uh, atheism or agnosticism. So, exactly. yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, Richard, we look forward to that book. You you need to get to writing there, bub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm planning on on taking a couple months off this summer to do that. that so would I, be I'm good. Gonna, I'm gonna get on it. How much flack have you gotten for the name and your uh, you know uh, counterpart <laughs> name wise? People come into your office and say, "Oh no, am I gonna have to wear my sweats? We gotta exercise or what?" Just wondering. I mean. You know. Well, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, it, it really, uh, I've, I've kind of gotten used to it, even though I, I will say he's kind of fallen off the radar. Yes, and he has. 
most uh, younger people don't even know who he is. But yeah, it's, it's just older folks that know who he is. But right. I always laugh that, uh, you know, it's not a big deal to me, but my wife is Mrs. Richard Simmons, and she's got a lot of flack <laughs> from that. <laughs> I imagine so. Well, family, you and your wife got some kiddos, uh, do you? We got three three children. I got a 22-year-old uh, geared to graduate from Auburn. I've got a... Uh, a 20-year-old daughter about to turn 21 who is a junior at, at my college, the University of the South at Swanee. Right. And then my youngest, who's a freshman, he's uh, 19, is at Samford University, which is a really fine college here in Birmingham. Oh, sure. Well, great. Do they still put the uh, red and green light up on Vulcan, depending on whether they've had uh, they, auto They do not. They, they, do, uh, they quit doing that. I'm not sure why, but uh, Vulcan's still there look, looking great. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Richard. We appreciate you. And we'll send thank people you. to your website. We'll put a link on klfcradio.com. Great. Yep. All right. Thanks so much, Keith. Thank you, Richard. We appreciate you. You've been listening to the Reliable Truth Podcast with Richard E. Simmons III, founding director of the Center for Executive Leadership in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources, please visit our website at www.thecenterbham.org or email to richard at richardesimmons3.com.